Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I'm really excited about this because um, when you're in the turn, it's really hard because you can't necessarily always see what the destination is. You don't necessarily know what's coming around the corner, but we can say that the road is paved, that God has made a safe way for us in the middle of the turn. So just like um, the psalmist said that his word was a lamp unto my feet, sometimes we just got to worry about the thing that's right in front of us, not necessarily that thing that's way out there, because if we can focus on the thing right in front of us, often we find that as we've been taking steps, paying attention to our feet, we're there. Like we arrive. We don't know how it happened. Anybody ever drive somebody somewhere and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, how'd I get here? I don't remember taking the turn on the road. Or uh, I, I've done this many times where I'm on the way out to like where my, my business is at the studio and I end up at the church. And I'm like, wait, I'm not supposed to be here. I just was driving, and voila, here I am. Classic husbands, wife has asked you to brought home, bring home some food from the store, and you get home, and you're like, man, what a great day. She's like, how'd it go at the store? I'll be right back, <laughs> right? Okay, all right, totally missed it, right? I'll be right back, sorry about that. Uh, I was in the zone, I don't know, you know what it was, but um, at Harvest Valley, There are some things that should just come natural to us because it's who we are. It's part of our identity. Uh, We are a refuge for healing, and we are a launch pad for transformation. Um, It's very easy to misunderstand what a refuge looks like and what it should look like. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture this morning that are very foundational for everything that we do here. They are foundational pieces. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned these verses and and just touched on it a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I'm actually going to spend more time on the second passage of Scripture. The first passage for the note takers is Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. It says this. If you extend your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and the darkness shall be as the new day, noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you, will build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That is foundational to everything that we do. The first two verses, verses 10 and 11, is what a refuge for healing looks like. Verse 12 is what a launch pad looks like. This is where we are seeing transformation through repair and restoration. And when we become agents of repair and restoration in our community, we will see that the bridges that had been torn down are rebuilt, things are restored that were all broken before. Amen? That's part of why we are here. The second passage that I really want to focus on today, and not even I'm not going to do an exegetical break it all down. There's going to be a lot of missing pieces in this because it's, it's five verses from Ephesians chapter 4, but they're critical to what we do here. And uh, verse 11 says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, say edifying, of the body of Christ till we all come, say all, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, say, I'm not a child, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Woo! 
cunning, crafty, deceitful people plotting against the church, in the church. He's talking about in the church, guys. Okay. But speaking the truth in love, the body may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There is a ton there. I mean, I, I, I did two, it took me two years to go through the book of Ephesians and I think we spent four months on those five verses. Like it, it, it's meaty, there's a lot there. The real focus for today is verse 16, which says that uh, from whom the whole body, right, from the head Christ, the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's actually our responsibility to grow up in Jesus so that we can edify each other and grow each other. So when we talk about being a refuge for healing and a refuge for growth, we've got to unpack what that actually means. Are you guys okay going with, there, with me today? We're going to talk about what it means to be a refuge for healing today. Not the launch pad part, because you know what's funny? The launch pad is the natural fruit of whole people. But if we don't get the refuge right, if our eyes aren't focused properly, if we don't have the right lenses around what it means to be a place where people can heal, we're not going to see transformation come. This is so foundational to everything that we do. So are you guys uh, willing to walk with me this morning through this process? Awesome. Let's pray real quick as we, as we roll in. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. I thank you that you have given us a body of believers and a group of people who are willing to invest in one another in such a manner that allows for growth, that allows for healing, that allows for those dead things to fall off and for the new things to come to life. And we thank you, God, that you are transforming our minds and you're transforming our hearts today. Father, for every area in our life that has yet to experience the redemptive blood of Jesus, I'm praying that you would come and touch every heart in every way that they need to be touched today in Jesus' name. Father, may you speak boldly in the voice today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Listen, we long in every part of our heart to be a place where we can grow, right? We want this church to be a place where people can grow. Often we consider a place to grow, often we'll, we'll, we'll make the analogy of like the womb, safe, where there's protection and you're nurtured and your needs are met, right? At some point, it becomes a little unsustainable and intolerable to stay in the womb, right? And, and then... You know, there's a painful process of birthing, and then uh, you've got tears, hunger, soiled diapers. Uh, you got to learn how to walk. You got to learn. So, so when we think about safety as a refuge, please don't think that it's there's not tears and hunger and messes. Uh, all that stuff is part of being an environment where things grow. Okay. Now. Being a refuge for healing is not about being a womb, but being an environment for growth wherever you are at in life. Wherever you are at in life. From the day you're born, the enemy of your soul is working to prevent you from becoming what God, who God has called you to be. He uses pain, wounding, injustice, trauma, abuse, torment, all of these things to prevent you from being who God has called you to be. This is how the devil works because the devil is evil and he hates you and he wants you to have any good reason to not come to God. He wants you to be justified in not coming to God. 
Well, he, though the enemy wants you far from his presence, God made a way. Right? And so oftentimes when we come to Jesus and we have this encounter with God and we've laid our life before Jesus, we say, God, we're, we're in. We'll do whatever you ask me to do. Like one of the greatest statements of faith is yes, right? Just the simple yes. It's like, wow, it changes everything when you can lay your life down and just say yes to whatever the, the Lord has for you. We have to understand that healing, the healing we're walking through is we're pursuing God and we're walking with Jesus. It is multidimensional and it is incremental. It is not poof, you're healed. We wish it was poof, you're healed, but that's not reality. Reality is that in the dimension of every role of your life, in the dimension of every, every responsibility that you have, in the, in the dimension of all the relationships that you have and all of that, every single one comes with pain and wounding and, and areas that need healing. And the enemy wants you to go, oh, you're fine, it's normal, it's justified, it's, it's great. No, we have to be willing to allow God in to heal the areas that are actually wounds instead of just, oh, we'll get into it. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Woo. So we know that every generation has its own unique set of needs for healing. Each era of your life has its own unique set of needs for healing. Every stage of life requires a level of growth in healing. And the mature ones in the audience said, amen. amen. Because we know every time you level up, you got to be able to come back to the Father and receive more healing. Because as you grow, the Holy Spirit begins to unveil things that you weren't aware of before. Every role that we engage in requires us to grow and heal, Right? If you are married, you are required to grow and heal. If you're a parent, you're required. Listen, that was too loud of a laugh, Terry. I'm just telling you. That. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in your house tonight. All right, no, I'm just teasing. Um, marriage requires growth and healing. Parenting requires growth and healing. If you're heading into retirement, it requires growth and healing. You start a new job, it requires growth and healing. You're going to start a new business, it requires growth and healing. When you discover your identity, even if you're 12 or 13 years old and you're starting to kind of get a grid for your self-actualization moments where you realize Oh, I've got my own thoughts on all this stuff, you know, and ours started at three with that. So, you know, but whatever, wherever they're, they're at, all of those moments require growth and they require healing. If you're going to be a good son or daughter, it requires growth and healing. If you're going to be a leader and lead other people, it requires growth and healing. There is no station in life where you are exempt from growth and healing. There's no point where you're like, oh, I got it dialed. I'm good. Now, the things that you used to struggle with, hopefully you don't anymore. That's called sanctification. Hopefully, you're walking in the power of God. And so when he whispers, hey, that's off, you take care of it quickly. Guess what? That's growth and healing. It just looks different the more mature you get. But to not say that you don't need it is not okay. Healing is not a destination. It's not a location we come to. It is a lifestyle empowered by the grace of God. As we heal, as a community, one of the things that I see often is that people will come in um, to our environment with their different wounds and needs, and we try to minister to those needs. And honestly, we don't always do it very well, but we try, and, 
And, and when those needs are ministered to, you see people connecting with the Lord in a very strong level, and then you start to see them grow. Well, as they grow, suddenly they turn from my needs to, oh, I can suddenly see the people around me, right? Like it's like the lights turn on, and they're like, oh, that person has a need. That looked like my need. I bet I could help them. Right? And that's just the natural process of healing is that you'll start to see other people a little bit better. And as we heal, we turn and we provide the commitment in community to help others heal and grow. And if you're in a place today where you recognize I'm really broken and I need the help, praise God for that. We want to help you. We want to help meet that need. Many of you have been living in the, I'm broken, I need help for 20 years, and we need to start moving on. Because, well, we'll talk about it. I don't want to give away the punchlines. As a church that longs to see lives changed and healed, we, we eventually have to pivot from coming to meet our own needs to then serving and meeting the needs of others. This pivot or this turn leads to more healing and growth in you, and then we grow together. Our upgrades become collaborative. We actually, if you're, if you're in a healthy community, Marsha gets a breakthrough. If she's in community, other people are getting that breakthrough too. When I get a breakthrough, the people that I'm in relationship with, I'm telling them about it, and they are getting revelation, and they're getting breakthrough. It becomes collaborative. And listen, when we have mutual breakthroughs, it is powerful. A refuge is what we want to be, and, and a refuge is something that provides some shelter, right? Provides some shelter. It's a place of safety. But let me just say, who's the shelter for, right? Who are we providing a safe place for? And we found here at Harvest that there's some different types of people that tend to be attracted to this place, okay? So let me, let me run through the list of the types of people that we tend to see show up here that, that really connect well here. Those who've been hurt by church, those who are lonely and isolated from a healthy community, we see those who are burnt out, those who want more from their walk with God but don't know how to get there, those who are called but have been ignored or stifled or shelved, those who are recovering from trauma and addictions, those who've never been loved unconditionally in a community. We see those who are disillusioned with religion, those who've never encountered a touch from the Holy Spirit, those who've never met Jesus, but the majority of the people that come here are those who are mature in the faith. They desire a place to grow and share their gifts. Amen. That's the majority of the people that actually come here are the people like, oh, okay, I want a place where I can continue to grow because where I've been, I just can't grow past where I've been and I know I need to grow and I also want a place where I can serve and give of myself in a healthy community. Okay, lots of heads nodding. I think that's fairly accurate, right? I have my wife read it and go, what am I missing? She's like, that one. I'm like, yes, I was, yeah. So um, I'm working on, on shifting some things. So she's my editor. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't say it too loud, John LaPointe. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Often, though, when we're in this refuge for healing, it can feel unsafe. Would you agree? We're in a refuge, but it feels unsafe. So how can being in a refuge not feel safe? Let me just tell you what. The refuge is not a refuge, and it's not safe if we turn to methods over the presence of God. Because if we turn to... Uh, methods and programs instead of the presence. Now, the presence might give us some structure to help people through a process. That's great. We do that. Yeah, there was a process that God has always put a process to come to him 
He's always put some process, and yet there's this beautiful thing where we can just come to the presence. Let me tell you, it's really hard to figure out the places in your life that need healing unless you're willing to walk in a process with some people. God's given us three promises of miracles. Number one, that we'll encounter him. Number two, that we'll find community. And number three, that we'll be transformed. Those miracles are promised to us. Promised. So we can encounter him, but we also have to know that we will find community. We will find people in our lives. We are promised fellowship. We are promised that iron sharpening iron. We are promised that, that God will be present. Do you guys, Ephesians 4, 16. Let me read it again. From whom in Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does it share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a promise. We're gonna grow together. I love worshiping in the mountains with Mika. There's moments of glory where his presence just blows me away up there. That is not fellowship with believers. Come on. I just figured I'd dispel the myth. Oh, man. So why does it feel unsafe sometimes? I think sometimes we can believe that a refuge for healing should be like a womb without any discomfort or growing pains. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable when we encourage people out of their comfort zones. That place where you've been comfortable and we go, oh, you know, we need to grow past that. That's uncomfortable. That doesn't feel safe because you're making me do some things that I don't like to do. Yep, it's true. Amen, hallelujah. Yep. All right, what about when we encounter others in the challenges of their growth process? That doesn't feel safe sometimes. Because as people grow, they manifest all types of weird stuff and awkward things happen and people respond poorly. Okay, sometimes that doesn't feel safe, but that's what we're here for. Sometimes it doesn't feel safe when we dismantle the religious, the religious spirit of control and pride. When we, I'm telling you what, when people try to impose their beliefs about how church should look and feel when they come in the door, they get some opposition because that's a spirit of control. So what do we do? Awesome, thank you, but we're not going to comply with the control. Hopefully, you come with enough curiosity to find out why we do what we do and how we do it instead of trying to impose your thing on it, right? Come curious. Curiosity fixes a lot of this, by the way. Somebody's having a bad reaction. If you're curious, you can find out what's going on in their life instead of getting offended. Yeah, amen, hallelujah. All right, so... One of the ways that it also feels very unsafe is when we launch people into their calling. That's really uncomfortable for people because, listen, over time we have history with each other. And there's times where somebody did something that hurt you or offended you or they responded improperly and then the pastor's like, yeah, I want them to lead the small group. And you're like, what? Do you know what they did? Yep. Yep, that doesn't feel safe. Why? Because they're past where you are. You're still stuck on the offense and they're walking out their healing. So sometimes we gotta actually launch people into uncomfortable positions where you're gonna be uncomfortable at the people who stand on the pulpit. You're gonna be uncomfortable with some of the things that happen around here. And you're like, is that not safe? Well, who are we trusting? Because I know that us as a leadership team, we want to put everybody that goes anywhere, and we want to make sure that they're trustworthy people, but you might not see what we see. That's okay. Amen? So sometimes that can feel unsafe, right? So 
I want to give us uh, six simple ways to keep the environment safe while people change Growing Hill. Are you ready? All right, number one, never forget God's presence is where every need is met. You are not a savior. You point them to the savior. God's presence is where every need is met. God's presence is where every need is met. That's number one. Number two, we engage in non-negotiable love. When there is conflict, love is not on the table as a bargaining chip. Love is over here. Like we are going to, you can do whatever. I'm choosing love over here. You make me mad, you whatever. I'm going to still love. I'm going to put love over here because a relationship cannot be on the table when there's conflict. We have to take it off the table. Non-negotiable love. The reason why we get hurt is because people use relationship as a bargaining chip. We can't do it. We have to, number three, be open, vulnerable, honest. Be open and honest with each other. A lot of hurts come because we don't actually say what we needed to say. And they, we think they should have read our mind. Clearly, they would know that that would bother me. How about we just be open and honest with each other, right? Number four, believe the best in one another. Right? And this is one of our core values of relationship, believing the best. That's hard. It's so hard sometimes. We are not mind readers. Believe the best. And when you come at the situation and you believe the best, sometimes you'll be surprised that you're right. Number five, declare your commitment to one another. Tell people you're committed to them. This is so important. Tell people you're committed to them. Tell them. Tell them. Because we don't believe it. We're waiting for rejection. How many, I think all of us have been in that seat where the relationship feels a little dicey and you're waiting for them to never call, never talk, walk away, reject, whatever that is. Like that's just common. It's just con- like we all deal with that. So this is why we say declare your commitment to one another. Be vocal about it. Listen, there's nothing you can do to mess this up. I love you. I'm committed to this relationship. I'll make myself available for you. Tell people, especially if you're in any kind of conflict, go back to the foundation of a healthy relationship, which is commitment. It's not passion. It's not intimacy. It's not joint venture. It's not like all the things that we agree on. No, I'm committed to the relationship. That's the, that's the baseline of a marriage, is the covenant. All the other stuff will have to get worked out. But the baseline is the commitment, the covenant. This is why we do membership here. We are committed to each other. We don't take it lightly. We really want to commit to you and have you committed to the people. So we openly declare our commitment to each other. Amen? Awesome. Yay! Now, you know what's beautiful is it's that God that calls people in and it's God that calls people out. And if you do relationship really well, you're preventing people leaving for all the wrong reasons. And if you're open and honest, you can actually work through a lot of the stuff. And if God's actually calling them to go to a different church, how many of you know we bring people up, we lay hands on them, we bless them, we send them. Why? Because the blessing of God needs to be on their life and it ain't about us. So, number six, give space for hurting people to make mistakes and respond poorly. In order for this place to be safe, you make room for people to blow it up, for people to mess it up, to have the wrong reaction, and you walk with them through it because you're committed. You choose to believe the best. When you allow that environment to flourish, it really is exponential healing. So, 
Those are ways that we can keep the environment safe. Right? Six simple ways we can keep the environment safe. Because listen, as we grow, as we change, as we continue to dive into more of what God has for us, there's going to be moments where you're not going to feel safe. Some of you that love small church feel aren't going to like this place next year. I'm, t- I'm telling you. Like, don't get possessed with the structure. Don't get possessed with how the room looks. It's going to change. Don't, get, don't allow the superficial things to prevent you from being open and honest from receiving the healing that you need, connecting with each other on a deeper level than just, hi, how you doing? Let's sip our coffee on Sunday morning. We're we're going a lot deeper right now. Let me just tell you, Lisa led the Freedom Encounter Weekend, and ever since then, I've seen more people get healing from trauma and consistent long-term strongholds than I've seen ever in a church. It has been exponential. And you know what's funny? There's some themes that have come up. Can we talk about those? Okay, let's just talk about this healing that God's doing because we actually want to empower healing as a refuge for healing. We don't want to just keep it safe, but we want to help people grow, right? So yes, we want to keep it safe. And yes, that environment will cause healing to happen, right? But there's some ways that we can actually empower healing here. Okay, So the first area that I think, I'll talk about the area that I feel like God is moving in powerfully. I'll I'll unpack a couple of the pitfalls that might help you. Oh, that's me, right? And then, just saying, right? You might might have that moment where you go, oh, that's me. And then um, what do we do about it? Okay, so number one, trusting God more fully. This is the number one area where I'm seeing God get breakthrough. Actually trusting God. And going, I'm realizing I'm not trusting God. I'm realizing I'm controlling everything. I realize that I'm, I mean, it's just like coming left and right. I had about six different one-on-one meetings last week, and every single one of them had that theme. So what's the, uh, what's the, the pitfall is... We often will subconsciously wonder, will God really meet my need? And if we think, will God really meet my need? If that's happening underneath in our soul, like we don't realize it, but it's subconscious. And if it's under there, then what we do is we take on the reins of controlling our life. And now we've just pulled ourselves out of the blessing of God. And now we are trying to do it all in our own power. Now we come to God to produce an outcome instead of coming to him for his presence. And when we come to God to produce an outcome, we don't trust God. I can hear it ringing. God's the healer. He's the provider. We come to him believing his nature, knowing that the reward is not fixing it in the moment now. The reward is his presence now, and the, which will make things better. Like, let me just tell you, his presence comes, things happen. People get healed. Amazing things happen. But if we're pursuing God for what he does for us more than about his presence, we've missed it. So we have to come longing for the presence because then if we can trust God and we know that even if it doesn't change now, I'm with him for all eternity and I have his presence as my prize right now today. And now you get to walk through the fire without worried about the burning because he's with you in the fire. Come on, I'm hearing Hillsong. There's another in the fire. All right, here's the second area where I'm seeing huge breakthroughs. People are rejecting self-protection. Rejecting self-protection. What does this look like? Well, it looks like fight, flight, or freeze. (laughs) Like it's that fight or flight and freeze response where like I'm either gonna come at you or I'm gonna go run away, run away, (laughs) run away. Or we just go, that's all happening right now. I can't move. Flight, fight, flight, or freeze. 
Self-protection isn't always a bad thing, but when the pain of our wounds creates unhealthy responses, we have to step back and consider who our protector is. Self-protection is control. Self-protection is control, and it says that I have to protect myself. And we just took protection out of God's hands. I'm not saying that it's not appropriate to draw boundaries. I'm not saying it's not appropriate to create distance when it's needed. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that, that when you're in a spot where you're afraid, when you're in a spot where you're angry, when you're in a spot, instead, instead of the common self-protection responses of fight, flight, or freeze, people are choosing to say, God, I come to you right now because I need protection. I don't feel safe. I need you. When we hide, we cut off the tools God gave us for our healing. When we fight, we cut off the tools God gave us for our healing. And the same goes for when we're stalled and we're frozen and we're just watching it all all go by. We're disengaged completely, internal checkout. That happened to some of you right when I told the first joke. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> the, the reality is that there's this place where we cut off all the things that we need because we're di- we disengage. We either are going to come aggressively, we're going to fight, or we run away and hide, or we just stand there stalled. And God wants us fully engaged. And the only way to be fully engaged is to trust that God will protect you. We are open and honest because we don't believe God's going to protect me. If I reveal who I really am to people, they will reject me. God already accepts you. He already does. And if he's my protector and if he's my provider and he's trustworthy... I can be open and honest with my struggles, with my trial, with my pain. I can be honest with my failures that I feel full of shame about, that I won't tell anybody. I can be open and honest about that because I have a trust in a God who will protect me, who has my heart, who knows who I am. And he always has his best for me in every circumstance. I see people more and more choosing to trust God as their protector and defender instead of themselves. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm also seeing a growing willingness to see others' needs as more important than their own. We're in that turn, right? And we can be too mired in our own pain often to even see others around us. And it's normal to need your healing, to come in and need your healing first, but... Sometimes we make our our encounter with God so much about our need that we don't declare that he is the, uh, that he is enough. He is enough. And so we're constantly simmering on our need. And when we get selfish and we simmer on our need, our lack, the things that we're missing, we don't see how God actually wants to pour into me, but he doesn't pour into vessels who don't pour out. He flows through you. He blesses you so you can be a blessing. He pours healing in you so you can help heal. And if you're sitting here going, I need, I need, I need, I need, and God's like, okay, hey, why don't you like, hang on a minute. Get your eyes off of you for a minute. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider it, I just forgot the whole verse. He didn't consider it, like greatness to be equal with God. He humbled himself and came in the form of a man, right? He didn't, equality with God is something to be grasped. The point being that we have to enter into this place of humility where we can see others' needs as higher than our own because as we do that, God will flow through us. And let me just tell you, if God's flowing through you, he's healing you. Hmm. 
Interesting. 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 Choosing to serve others' needs and not fight for your own needs creates an environment for exponential growth. Guys, to be a refuge for healing, everybody needs to start seeing each other's needs as more important than your own, which means that you start reaching out and talking to each other and having more conversations about the needs and what's happening and how can I pray for you, not in a gossip way. I hate that. I hate the gossip chain prayer thing. Like, no, right there on the phone, pray for him. There's no other group to take it to. You take it to Jesus. The other way that I see um, God moving is that people are humbling themselves and doing things that are not glorious. So many of us are, are uh, like Naaman, right? Do you, I don't know if you're familiar with Naaman, 2 Kings chapter 5. Um, Naaman's the general of Syria. And the general of Syria had leprosy, okay? He was a leper. And so he writes a letter. He hears that there's miracles in Israel. So he writes a letter to the king of Israel demanding that he heal him. And the king freaks out and tears his robe and is like, we're going to die because I'm not a healer. And Elijah hears about it and goes, uh, hey, dude, 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 I got you. I can do that. I got you. Right? So Elijah writes down, Elisha, he writes down uh, a note to the general saying, okay, here's your prescription for healing. You're going to go to the Jordan River. You're going to dip your body in seven times. And, and, and listen to this. This is great. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. And went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. He's going to wave his hands all over the place and heal the leprosy. So often we come to God and we already have the prescription on, God wants to, on how God wants to heal me. Well, God, if you pay off my debt. Well, God, if you do this, God, if you heal my, my leg or if you give me this or we've got it all mapped out on how my life is going to be great if God would just do these things. And then God says, actually, I want you to go uh, scrub the floors. I'm waiting for the man of God to come and wave his hands over me and then I'll be healed. Do you know how bad my back hurts? You want me to scrub floors, Jesus? Stuff we do, right? Like, come on. Is it just me? Come on. I think we're all in the same boat on this at some level, right? Where we've prescribed to God how the healing's going to go. What the next level of the vision and how my calling and destiny is going to play out. Ha! It's a great joke. One of the best jokes was to tell God your plans. You know, one of, the, one of the beautiful things about this is that Naaman has some people around him that say, um, master, master, if he had asked you to do something glorious, you know you would have done it. So what's the difference? That's what they say. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go do it. Right? Yeah, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. People are humbly activating themselves doing things that are not glorious. What's the pitfall? We have an inflated sense of self. We seek glory that can prevent our healing. God will ask us to do things we see as beneath us for the sake of our healing. Can we humble ourselves and do some things that aren't 
And the hardest one is if you've ever done it before and it didn't work, <laughs> and then God tells you to do it again, and you're like, no, tried that before, Jesus. Tried that one before, nope, that's not going to work, God. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we just got done fishing, Jesus. Do you not know there's no fish in here? When we, when we operate in pride or, or we're lacking humility in how we serve, let me just tell you what happens is that we become critical of leaders, mentors. We even can become critical of God for not performing according to our expectations. And, we, and, and I see this just breaking off of us. I've been watching it break off where people are noticing a need that is inglorious and going, you know, I could do that. I'll, I could do that. I've got years of experience. I did that for 30 years. I quit for a reason, but I'll do it. What a blessing, right? Because we're seeing others' needs as greater than our own. We're looking at the needs in the body going, oh, yeah, this whole thing is knit and joined together in Christ for the building up of the body, for growth. So instead of looking at the needs going, somebody better fix that, <laughs> you know, we should probably jump in. Right? All right. So we're a refuge for healing. All of us need a touch from the Lord. Amen? We all need to enter his presence for the sake of his healing and presence in our lives. God's inviting us all into new levels of trust in him, his calling, his plans, and his purposes in our lives. Was this good? Will you stand with me? I just want to seek the Lord for a few minutes. I believe that what God wants to do now is uh, open up our hearts to stepping in a little deeper into the freedom that he has for us. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness in our lives. We come to trust you. We give it all to you. We give our calling, our destiny. We give our needs, all those things that we have, we have been so focused on that we can't see the people around us clearly. God, forgive us. We repent for having such intense focus on ourselves instead of on others. And, Father, God, you know what my needs are. You know what the needs are of every single person here. And you said that you are faithful. You said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. So we come and we seek you first. I pray God that this place would be known as the safest church in America. Not just, not just in the region, but we would be known throughout the world that a place where people can come broken and really get healed. that we would reject, God, I pray that we reject every form of godliness that is powerless. I pray, God, that this place would be so sweet with healing that it just as a natural outflow of who we are would transform the lives in this community. Father, will you change us? Help us trust you better. Help us give better. Help us serve in how you're asking us to serve. I thank you, God, that you're breaking off the old religious strongholds of what it should look like. And Father, we praise you. As I was talking about trust and, and, and you know, these different areas where we have seen some you know, struggles with self-protection, trusting God, maybe just seeing our needs is more important than the needs around us. If those have been issues for you, which is where you're at, just raise your hand because I think God's going to break some things off. So any of those things that come up for you where you're like, man, that's, that's me. 
That's me. I, I've struggled with trusting God. I'm struggling with self-protection. I want to run and hide every day. I want to, you know, like if that's you, just raise your hand. Come on, keep your hand raised. Come on, hallelujah. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that every person who is willing to engage you for the healing in these areas, Father, let your presence fill them now in Jesus' name. Fill them now. Healing is in your presence. God, will you manifest your glory on them right now in Jesus' name. Come in power. Holy Spirit, come and touch them in Jesus' name. Fill them in Jesus' name. Cause your love to shine in their hearts, God, that you are trustworthy, that you are the protector, you are the provider, you are the one who sees all of their needs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we bless you for what you are doing. I just speak healing over your mind. I speak healing into your bodies. In Jesus' name. Those distractions from the enemy to prevent you from doing what God has called you to do, I command those to stop in Jesus' name. Thank you that you've made us a refuge for healing, God. And we take up the mantle to create the space for it. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.